everybody. Welcome to the Hiking My Feelings virtual campfire. This is campfire number 28, and we are going to, let's see here. Perfect. All right. So campfire number 28, and this is for diabetes and healing in the outdoors and Whole30. Yay. So um, before we jump into our first guest today, I would like to share a couple updates. So as you know, Take a Hike Diabetes is our fundraiser for 2021. It's our whole big campaign. Um, and we started this uh, month for Diabetes Awareness Month. And we have raised so far $1,360 on the Kilter app. That is how we are tracking our progress towards our goal of hiking 1 million miles for diabetes awareness. So for everybody who has already signed up on Kilter, thank you so much for your participation. It has been incredible seeing your photos from your hikes and hearing your stories. And we really appreciate you getting out there for diabetes awareness. We also have 93 people signed up in our program so far. So this is a free 30-day program where we work with registered dietitians and wilderness therapists and some mindfulness people and some diabetes advocates. And we're all here to help you live your best life with diabetes or help you navigate what life looks like in order to prevent it. Or if you're caring for somebody who has it, how to do that better. So um, lots of great things on the horizon for Hiking My Feelings. A quick update about what we're doing in 2021. So I've mentioned before that we are on a mission to hike 1 million miles for diabetes awareness. And one of the things that we're doing in order to get those miles up is driving around the country again next year, building off the success of our 2019 Hiking My Feelings Tour. 2021 will be the Take a Hike Diabetes Tour. And we are going to hike in three different metropolitan areas to showcase urban adventures and open hopefully open up recreation opportunities to more marginalized communities. So the Chicago Outer Belt is our first stop in June next year. And that's a 220 mile trail that goes around the city of Chicago. And most of that trail, well, by the time we get there, all of that trail will be accessible by public transportation. So that opens up a ton of recreation opportunities to folks who may not otherwise have access to recreation in the outdoors. So we're really excited about that. And we're also looking to do the Lake to Lake Trail that goes across the state of Lake Michigan from Lake Michigan to Lake Huron. And then we are doing the um, Capital Trails Coalition is creating a backpacking loop for us that goes around this uh, Washington, D.C. metro area. The Capital Trails Coalition manages about 400 something miles of trails, and they're putting together a backpacking loop that we can do to help raise awareness for diabetes and talk to folks who live in the area Um Fun fact about D.C., Ward 7 and 8 on the east side of the river has almost double the prevalence of diabetes than the national average. So it's pretty wild, and we're um, excited to go talk to some folks that live out there. A quick update, um, I've been teasing about a grand prize for this endeavor for everybody that's practicing um, or participating in the campaign, tracking their miles and stuff like that. And today, I'm going to announce what that is. So if you will allow me to woo you with some beautiful photos... <laughs> We have some incredible prizes from uh, our friends at UST Gear, and UST is one of these companies that is just totally awesome. I was introduced to them via Gabacha, and when I met them, I found out that they <laughs> are based in Columbia, Missouri. I am a former Jayhawk, so when I was talking about um, hiking and healing and how I used to be on the women's rowing team at the University of Kansas, uh, they thought it was hilarious, and they were like, oh, hey, <laughs> uh, go Mizzou. So for those who aren't familiar, uh, the University of Kansas and the University of Missouri go head-to-head -head in what we call the border war every year, so um, it's been pretty hilarious making this happen with them, and 
we are going to show you one of the uh, prizes right now. So we have, take a look at this. Da, da, da. This is their Freestyle Air Mat, which is one of the prizes. It is $109.99. Um, this is a lightweight backpacking sleeping pad. So that's prize number one. And these are uh, prizes that you will get, um, you get both of these if you win. So every time that you log an activity in the app, you are entered to win this prize. And this is, so that's the Freestyle Air Mat and this is the Highlander two-person tent. So between these two products, more than $400 worth of gear. Thank you so much to our friends at UST for hooking us up with this. Um, we'll be sharing more about them and their products on our website and our emails and throughout the program as well. So let's get into it. Um, we Last week we talked about Whole30, or sorry, this week we're talking about Whole30. Last week we talked about intuitive eating with Julianne and Mila. And for some folks, if you've been like steeped in diet culture for your entire life, um, intuitive eating can sound a little woo-woo and like far away and hard to reach. So one of the things that I wanted to do was present a handful of different nutritional approaches for diabetes, bring in some registered dietitians who can actually talk to you about like what's happening inside your body when you nourish yourself in these different ways. And um, so last week we introduced you to Julianne Mahoney and Mila Clark Buckley. And um, this week we are talking to the folks from Whole30. So we have Stephanie Grinke. She is their in-house dietitian and education manager. And we also will be chatting later with Melissa Urban, the co-founder and CEO of Whole30. And I think like for me, I, so I eat basically Whole30 all the time. And I didn't realize that until I became aware of what the program is. So it's a 30 day program and Stephanie's going to tell us all about it, but I don't see this as a diet and I don't see it as restrictive. Um, I see this program as an abundant, empowering way that you can take control of your nutrition within a diabetes management plan by focusing on eating whole foods and taking a break from sugar and alcohol and processed foods and all the stuff that makes our blood sugar go through the roof. Um, you can really get in tune with what foods make you feel good and see the results every day as you test your blood glucose levels. So this week, I'm excited to welcome Stephanie Grinke. She is the Whole30 in-house dietitian and education manager. She specializes in prenatal and postnatal nutrition, behavioral psychology, and holds additional certifications in perinatal mental health and fitness. Stephanie recognizes the importance of metabolic health for all individuals, centering it as a key component in her practice. Over the last 10 years, she has helped personal clients and the Whole30 community tailor their nutrition to support a healthy blood sugar response, which ultimately improves their mental health, energy, and vitality. Stephanie, welcome to the show. If this was The Price is Right, this is where we like dance have an awesome time. Hey, we're Hi. Doing it. <laughs> welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me here. Two of my passions in life are metabolic health and the whole 30. So I get to combine them together tonight and talk to all of you. Yay. I am so stoked to have you here. Um, first things first, where are you currently talking to us from? Well, I'm talking to you from Wisconsin and it's very dark outside already, <laughs> as you can tell. So I've got some lighting trying to make it a little bit lighter, but yeah, uh, we are, we were a military family. We were in California for the last eight years and we relocated in March. So at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, back home to Wisconsin to be closer to family. Well, it's great to have you here tonight. Um, let's jump right into it. What led you to working in this nutritional metabolic health space? Yeah. So when I graduated from college and got my uh, registered dietitian certification, I 
knew a lot about nutrition, but I was suffering from fatigue, really bad mood imbalances. I had bloating and gut issues. And this is knowing a lot about nutrition. And over time, I kind of thought, well, this is just how I am. This is just how I feel. I'm getting a little bit older. Like, I don't know. You just kind of identify that this is just how life is for me. And it was actually very interesting because it was my husband who was in training to become a Marine and he was at CrossFit boxes and part of being at a CrossFit box is learning about the paleo diet. So one night he came home and said, Hey, look, I'm thinking about doing this. And my first reaction, knowing what I know about saturated fat as a dietitian fresh out of school was absolutely not don't do it. So in reading the book, The Paleo Diet, way back in 2009, I was really looking for ways to prove him wrong that he shouldn't do it. And in doing so, it opened up a whole new education for me, things that I wasn't taught as a dietitian. And I thought, what do I have to lose? I feel bloated. I have low energy. I need to try something new. So I tried that and I noticed significant improvements in myself. Um, and it was pretty immediate. And so I thought, well, maybe I should try this with some of my clients that I'm working with. I want to see if they notice the impacts that I do. And a lot of that is linked to metabolic health, right? The spikes in the dips in blood sugar making me tired, even if I was eating foods that are considered healthier, the sweet potatoes, the bananas, um, the mood swings, the um, gut dysbiosis that I was experiencing. So I started working it with, started including that in my diet and with my clients and they notice similar results. So around this time is when I met Melissa Urban, who we'll hear from later on. And she added this new level of understanding that, hey, you can do the paleo diet, but what if you actually start reintroducing things again so that you're not on a strict diet forever, you're actually figuring out the best approach for you based on an understanding and having that clean slate and moving forward. So, um, Another around this time as well, I started working with patients that had gestational diabetes. And so I have this newfound understanding that there definitely isn't a one size fits all approach that works. We all really have unique chemistries and preferences that work best for us. So when these clients that were navigating gestational diabetes came to me saying that their provider said that they needed to have a minimum of 175 grams of carbohydrates to control their blood sugar, and they were having a hard time navigating their blood sugar with that level, I thought, is there another approach? Is there a way where we can actually tweak their diet, maybe lower what they were told that 175 grams to an amount that is actually going to regulate their blood sugar? So that is one area of research that I'm really passionate about is gestational diabetes. But I think metabolic health impacts all of us because our blood sugar changes by the minute. When we're looking at continuous glucose monitors, we're looking every 15 minutes to see what your blood sugar is because it's going to spike. My blood sugar is probably high right now because I'm a little bit stressed with this, right? So there's so much that happens in the day and blood sugar is at the core of how we're feeling, how we're sleeping, how resilient we are. And it's something that no matter if you are navigating blood sugar dysregulation or not, it should be the core of your focus. Man. And thank you for that. I think that there's, I don't think that people 
with diabetes understand that this impacts everybody because like that's one of the things like there's a lot of stigma around this diagnosis there's a lot of especially around type 2 because it can be regulated and controlled with um nutritional changes and moving your body and managing your stress but i love the way that you phrase that and that the blood sugar is at the core of everything for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. It's not just for folks that may have a history of diabetes in their family or people that are presently living with diabetes. So thank you for that. Um, let's talk about uh, Whole30. So for folks who might not be familiar, what is Whole30? Yeah. So Whole30 is something that we're taught as dietitians to really get to the root of some underlying symptoms that we're having a hard time figuring out where they stem from. And that what it is at its core is a structured elimination and reintroduction protocol. So what Whole30 does is for 30 days, you can, sit, you can consider it as a dietary experiment or a reset. You're removing foods that the scientific literature and clinical experience have shown to cause inflammation in some people and can lead to some symptoms like low energy, skin issues, um, brain fog, and so on. And so you systematically eliminate them for 30 days. And then the sweet spot is that you reintroduce them one by one and you keep everything else the same. And you see if you are noticing um, those symptoms pop back up again after the reintroduction. Because when we're thinking about our diet and like when I was experiencing all those symptoms, you unless you are to take out, unless you take out all those potentially inflammatory foods, you really don't know what's bothering you. And you almost kind of think like these symptoms are part of me. So what I consider it as it's how I explain it is it's basically like you have a piece of, uh, like, um, scratch paper on you. Like you're just scratching and scratching or there's nails on your skin, scratching, scratching, scratching. And after a while, it's like, oh, this is just how it feels. But if you remove that scratching, you're like, well, that didn't feel very good. And if you put that in, you scratch again, then you're like, okay, yeah, those foods don't work for me. So what Whole30 does is it's basically like you have your Garmin in your car and you figure out how to get to a certain spot, but then over time, you don't need that Garmin. You're able to figure out different ways to get to that point and make it your own. So it's helping you form a diet that works best for you, not what somebody else is telling you to do, but what you find through that dietary experiment so you can really create a diet that's going to help your blood sugar. It's going to reduce inflammation. It's really going to keep you energetic and vital. And it's a beautiful behavioral change strategy too, with the other things that are included. I thank you for that um, explanation. I think one of the things that was really impactful for me when I was first diagnosed with diabetes was I basically did what Whole30 tells you to do, right? So yeah. my doctor was like, here's how you build a plate. And I went to all the diabetes education classes. But ultimately, I was like, you know what? For most of my life, I've been doing what other people say I should be doing for nourishment. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to push pause. And I'm going to take a look at everything that I know should be good for my blood sugar eat one thing at a time, check my blood sugar levels, see how that works out and go from there and like actually pay attention to how foods make me feel. Because I know one of the critiques of Whole30 is that it's so restrictive and that you can't eat anything. And it's like, I look at the things that are you ask us to take a break from and I'm like, these are all things that negatively impact our blood sugar levels. Like processed foods aren't helping us. Alcohol isn't helping us. Sugar isn't helping us. So I love that it's looking at 
these individual foods and seeing how we actually feel when we eat those foods rather than just like mindlessly shoving food in our face, which is how I've been eating for, well, how I had been eating for the last 30 something years. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So just to be clear, just to make sure that we know what we are eliminating. So we're eliminating alcohol. We're eliminating sugar in any forms, real um, or artificial. We're eliminating grains of all sorts. So that's grains. Sometimes it sounds like greens, but G R A I N S. So all gluten and non-gluten containing grains, um, legumes and lentils. Um, and then, so sugar, dairy, alcohol, grains, and legumes and lentils. So those are what you're eliminating for 30 days. So what it leaves on your plate are the most nutrient dense healing foods that are going to control your blood sugar in a, in a template that's going to control your blood sugar, right? So we're not just having the sweet potato, we're having the sweet potato and we're having the non-starchy vegetables with the protein and with the fat. So half of your plate is those vegetables or a little bit of fruit. So we're getting the fiber. We're getting the phytonutrients. We're getting the anti-inflammatory benefits. We're getting that protein to help reduce that blood sugar spike and really help with our um, growth and strength and repair. We're getting that healthy fat to, again, smooth that blood sugar curve. And those vegetables have that fiber too, to help smooth the curve. So we're getting what our bodies love and what they need in a beautiful package that's going to just keep us sailing energy-wise throughout the day. I... Absolutely love it. And so I I know when we were talking before the show, you had mentioned that there's some like personality types around what what we eat, how we eat, how we need motivation, if we need motivation to stick with stuff. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think at our core, we know that reducing refined sugar and having more fruits and vegetables is really healthy. But when I'm working with individuals, it's it's about more than that. Food is really rooted deep in our emotions and our culture. And we've been eating a certain way for maybe 20 or 30 plus years. So it's important to understand um, how you can best approach looking at this dietary experiment or just eating healthy in general uh, from a place that works best for you. And we all respond differently to different types of approaches. So for one person, if you tell them here, here are the foods that will help control blood sugar and make sure you stick in this range. And that's what you need to do and exercise. People may just roll with it. And that's a personality type called an upholder. So Gretchen Rubin wrote this book that is called The Four Tendencies and has different personality types. So maybe that's you. Maybe if you are told exactly what to do, you have no problem following it. You kind of figure out how to make it yours, but then you roll with it. But for the most part, most people actually tend to be obligers. And what that means is that Uh, accountability is huge. So having a coach would really help you on your journey as far as blood sugar control. So having somebody to check in on you, maybe on Fridays before the weekend, because that tends to be when you indulge in sugar, or maybe it's just every week emotionally checking in, like, how are you doing? We're in the middle of a lot going on and emotional eating is a thing right now. So how can I best support you? What are some other maybe coping tools that we can use instead of having food and having that back and forth communication would really help you. And I think this is where people make themselves wrong for it, that they think, well, I should be able to do this on my own, or it's a weakness. 
that you may need that external accountability. But I need that too. I am, I am one of those people that do really well with accountability. This shows up for me in work. This shows up for me in exercise. That's why I really like going to a gym because I see those faces again. And um, if I'm not there for a few weeks, they're like, where are you? Um, so again, just really figuring out. And that's what Whole30 does so well. We have Whole30 certified coaches that will help you throughout your program and even into your food freedom to make sure you feel held and supported in that capacity. And they can, they get that too. They get that people need that gentle, that grace, those ideas for overcoming barriers. And then there's some people that are questioners. So there might be people here tonight. They're like, I don't know about this whole 30 thing. Um, and what is helpful there is just getting the education and busting some of those myths that whole 30 is a diet or whole 30 is overly restricted or whole 30 is only about weight loss, or you have to do a whole 365 and this is how you should eat for the rest of your life. Or whole 30 is a detox and really understanding, no, what this is, this is based on science and behavioral change. So how do we actually figure out what the best diet is for you? Well, we have to kind of have this reset to be able to then learn through the reintroduction period and then lean into our food freedom and find that balance. And when you're looking at just, when you're looking at diabetes, you have a lot of feedback tools. So you can see not just those, you know, digestive or mood or anything like that. You can see on your meter, your continuous glucose meter or the finger pricks, how your body is responding to even one up other people that are doing the program that aren't testing their blood sugar regularly. So why would you think, or why is this program good for folks with diabetes? Because we've talked about the different foods that are abundantly available <laughs> during this program. Um, what is actually happening in our body while we nourish ourselves this way? Yeah. So one of the things is that we're cooling the fire in your body. So Whole30 is based on anti-inflammatory foods. You're filling your plate with those vegetables and fruit and healing fats and protein. And so when your body isn't trying to calm the fire from what you're eating, it's able to heal and repair. It's also a positive feed forward cycle. So if you think about it, if you're fueling your body with really healthy food, what we notice is that people will uh, have more energy throughout the day. They'll sleep better. And when we're sleeping better, we make better choices the next day. And we're able to do the longer hike and exercise and make more positive choices. So that's another benefit. Um, it builds self-efficacy because if you are saying I'm a healthy eater and I'm going to choose these uh, healthy foods and you follow through, you build that confidence muscle and that works for all areas of your life. So once you can commit and do something and start feeling good, you're like, well, now what can I do? Like, can I start writing that book or can I do this in my job? Or could I do this as a family? Like I've always wanted to travel, like let's think about doing that. So um, that's what I love about it. And at the core, the Whole30 is removing sugar. And that's just for the 30 days. Absolutely, that's part of the reintroduction period. I enjoy, I've had dark chocolate for after my lunch today. So it's definitely not a forever thing, but you're removing sugar for those 30 days. Um, you're also pairing, like I talked about the plate, making sure you have protein, fat, and um, 
in those vegetables. So that will help regulate blood sugar. So there are so many benefits when we're looking at top down in and out. It's just a really overall holistic healing protocol. That's incredible. And you mentioned um, continuous glucose monitors for folks that aren't familiar. (laughs) um, What, why is that a helpful tool for people living with diabetes and why should they, if they can get one, because, and we could, I could do a whole nother campfire about access for these things, but um, assuming that they could access a continuous glucose monitor, um, what kind of benefits do those provide and how does that help people um, navigate a nutritional approach like this? Yeah. So I love that it's real-time feedback. And right now there really, there isn't, we have Fitbits and we have Aura Rings and all that, but we don't have that continuous real-time feedback in nutrition. So we can look at those non-scale victories, but to be able to see every 15 minutes, what's happening with your blood sugar can really guide your choices and help you design even a more specific plan that works for you. So for example, what you might find through using that continuous glucose monitor is that you actually can handle a little bit more carbohydrates than you think. It might help you liberalize your diet because you're able to see how your body is responding to that, that meal. Um, you also get to see the impact of exercise throughout that time you're wearing it. So for example, when I'm going for a walk, it's reading that my blood sugar is going down. If I do a high intensity There she is. Okay. Um, so you're, you're, you're seeing throughout the day, how things impact you. You're also seeing when you wake up after a poor night of sleep, how your fasting blood sugar can change and how your response to food changes throughout the day. And it can notice throughout the night if you're dipping low and that's contributing to poor sleep as well. So it's been fascinating for me. I found that, you know, a couple of tweaks that I've been able to make to my diet to help my blood sugar through this. I've been playing around with a couple of things is for sure pairing. So not just having an apple, but having an apple with nut butter, having carbohydrates after your meal. So having like protein and fat and fiber, and then having the carbohydrates that seems to help with the blood sugar spike. Um, having, uh, things like cinnamon and vigor vinegar, that can actually help to reduce a blood sugar spike. So if on my salad, I'll put like a vinegar-based dressing or on the apple, I'll put a little bit of cinnamon. That helps it out as well. So it, it is a really interesting tool. The tricky thing is that ins- insurance may or may not cover it. So it is out of pocket right now. Um, but the, the benefits and just being able to read it all day is just fascinating information. And, you know, it might even just be 14 days that you can gather all that information and then take that with you and know how your body responds to things. So it's been really cool with my clients and myself to be able to liberalize your diet a lot more by tracking that and not having to stick your finger all the time. Thank you for that explanation. Um, so what is happening in our bodies when we nourish ourselves this way? Like what are the mental benefits? What are the physiological benefits of, um, following the whole 30 program? 
Yeah, I think there are so many. And if you go on our website, you'll, you, if you look for non-scale victories, you'll see everything from mood benefits. So for example, in the diabetic population, depression is twice as common, right? And so part of that is regulating that blood sugar swing. And then also just the hidden costs of diabetes, right? The stress, the diabetic distress that shows up. So mood changes are huge. Uh, um, energy changes are huge, again, because of those blood sugar dips. Um, when we're looking at skin health too, we know that fluctuations in blood sugar levels that can even impact our gut, impact our skin health. Uh, so we'll notice clearer skin, um, psoriasis that might have been an issue or eczema that is continually happening will clear up. Um, we start replenishing our body with nutrients that it needs. So for the diet, looking at diabetes, there's a lot of cofactors that are needed to help with insulin sensitivity and blood sugar regulation. And the Whole30 provides the most nutrient-dense diet that's out there. We know that fish and vegetables and fruit are among the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet, and you're getting those um, at every meal really regularly. Um, so again, looking at head to toe, cooling that inflammation, regulating your blood sugar, regulating your energy and your mood, um, and supporting gut health again, which is so important in the era of the pandemic. We know that the majority of our immune system is in our gut. So if we're giving our bodies nourishing foods that really nourish that gut lining, um, we're going to support immune health because of that. Fantastic. So what is your favorite part of working with clients that are pursuing this kind of nutritional approach? Like you, I'm sure you've seen every, everybody's got every story under the books. Like I want to like, let's bust some myths. Let's like make people feel like they're a little less alone. Like what have you seen yeah. and what are you helping folks overcome um, when they come to you for support on this? Yeah, I think my favorite clients and stories are people that dismiss it right away and think that that's not going to help them or they're not going to be able to do it, right? Because it does seem when we're looking at what the whole 30, um, you, and you can do anything for 30 days, right? There is no doubt about that. But when you're looking at the foods that you need to focus on, if your, your current diet is made up of the a lot of the foods that are on the exclude portion for the 30 days, it can feel very intimidating. Uh, so I love working with people who are completely against the idea of it. And then they do it and they say, this totally changed my life. And it's one of those like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, like That's like one of our taglines for a reason. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's just because these changes happen relatively quickly, you know, in the first week you might feel, and I don't know if you experience this too, but just like the first week can be difficult because your body is switching from sugar burning to fat burning, but right around maybe the day 14, something switches and people that were needing that 3 PM coffee to get them through the rest of their day, all of a sudden have energy to go work out. Right. Or I talk to moms quite a bit. I work in their whole 30 families division and moms are able to deal with the tantrums a lot better. Um, moms that are breastfeeding, their kids actually sleep through the night or they have less reflux. Um, intrusive thoughts. So I work with a lot of depression. So intrusive thoughts are calmed down because we've got that blood sugar regulation and inflammation reduction. 
Um, yeah, skin issues that have been just with somebody their whole life, all of a sudden disappearing acne on the face, which can be devastating to people and just really hard when you're having social interactions that calming down. So I could go on and on, but it's very, very cool to, you know, I still, when I hear these stories, I light up because they're all so different. And because food impacts every cell of our body, every tissue, every organ, the, the benefits extend so far and wide. Absolutely. And I think that it's really important for folks that are listening to remember, like you, like what, I mean, you said you can do anything for 30 days, right? Like Mm -hmm. give yourself the chance, like believe that you can, because if you believe that you can't, then it's not going to work like period the end. (laughs) If you can't believe in yourself, nobody else will. And like, at the end of the day, it really is, abundant program. Like, yeah, you might have to learn how to cook a few new things, but like no big deal. You've got cookbooks for that. So, um, is there anything else about whole 30 and diabetes that you'd love to share, um, with our community here that we haven't covered? Yeah. So one thing I think is really important is if you are going to start, make sure that you talk to your provider before starting. And I say that because the blood sugar regulating effects are so significant that you may need to back off some of the medication that you're on or adjust currently what you're doing. Uh, So because we're removing grains of all sorts, you're getting your carbohydrates mostly from vegetables and fruit, and that can be a significant change from what you're doing. So, you know, for example, with the gestational diabetic population, I, it was 50 grams or so of carbohydrates per meal. And so it's probably going to be less on a whole 30 plan. So definitely talk to your provider before getting started. I'd highly recommend taking that Gretchen Rubin quiz and seeing where you are and what kind of support you need. Because if you find that you're an obliger, there's no harm in getting help from one of our whole 30 certified coaches. Uh, if you find that you are a rebel, I don't care if you do the whole 30 program. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, if you're at a rebel, you know, this, that's another interesting thing about the personalities. If I do find that they're a rebel, I, I let them do their own thing and let them know that I'm there to support them. So for example, even if you don't think the whole 30 is for you, but you find another approach that you think might be um, helpful, make sure that you, you let your provider know that like, this is what I want. And I want you to support me through it because it's really important to get that one-on-one interaction. Um, so I, yeah, I think talking to your doctor, figuring out what's going to work best for you, meal planning and prep is so important. We have a company called Real Plans that we work with that will simplify the process for you and help you with your meal plans. Cause it is a lot in the beginning to figure out if you're not used to cooking all the time. And then using resources like Thrive Market is someone who we partner with and they deliver a lot of Whole30 Uh, approved products. So some compatible products to your doorstep. So we have a ton of resources on our website that will help you get started. Fantastic. And for anybody that's interested in asking Stephanie a question, go ahead and pop on your video and let's do some Q&A here um, before we have Melissa joining us. I am really excited about this because the chat has been blowing up with questions. So uh, (laughs) Carrie, come on down. Um, Michelle, go ahead. Hi. Um, question. I was diagnosed recently with non-diabetic hypoglycemia. Hy- I can never say it. Hypoglycemia. <laughs> so to my understanding, I was just told you need sugar on a daily basis. Get yourself some glucose tablets and mm-hmm. um, vaya con Dios. Um, good luck to you. Um, 
I don't, I, when, when all of this happened, I was starting to push away from sugar because I understand that sugar is not good, but then I'm being told you need sugar or else you're going to pass out. Is there anything else that like a sub, a substitute that, that can help me instead of carrying around glucose tablets or, or a, not a healthy sugar, but just a healthier alternative? Yeah. So I, two parts to this. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and it might be necessary as you figure out how you want to navigate those ups and downs with your blood sugar. So apple juice or like any kind of juice, just a few ounces works well for some of my clients. Um, there's pouches that are whole 30 approved. Actually they're serenity kids and they're squash and like vegetable based pouches, um, that can help like on the go or applesauce pouches might be able to help. Um, you just want to make sure you're getting that exact gram that you need. And it's similar to those glucose tabs. But what I would say is I always like to think like preactively, like what can we do or proactively is those hypoglycemic episodes, they might be happening because you're spiking and then crashing significantly. So if we can get more of those smooth rolling glucose curves, and that's going to take some trial and error and practice with foods and medications and all of that, um, we might be able to prevent some of those from happening in the first place and needing that quick dose of sugar. Um, so that's going to be, you know, either if you have that CGM, or if you're tracking, see how you can modify your current meal so that we're not getting such spikes that are causing those really sharp dips. And you're definitely not alone in this. Um, even people that aren't navigating um, hypoglycemia or navigating um, metabolic dysfunction, we we get those really low lows too. Um, so absolutely. And there is nothing wrong with doing what you need to, to stay healthy. And if you need to take those sugar, um, that quick dose of sugar, it's okay. Um, but let's look to see what we can do before that happens and modify some things. And that whole 30 template with the protein, fat and vegetables, and you can add your carbohydrate as needed. Um, that will really help make those smooth rolling hills versus spikes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Perfect. And Carrie, how about you? Um, I just had a question how you would adapt this for somebody who's vegan like myself. Um, a lot of my protein and, uh, comes from legumes and grains. Um, and you know, I, you know, I could eat vegetables all day, but I would have to continuously eat all day to meat calorie intake. <laughs> I don't yeah. got time for that. So I was wondering how you would, how you would adapt that for somebody who's vegan. Yeah, that's a great question. So we, for the vegans that want to do the program, we have them do something called a vegan reset. And so it's not going to technically be exactly like the whole 30 prescribes because we do need to make sure you're getting some protein. So what we would recommend in that case is that you're doing organic or fermented forms of soy. If you are consuming soy, so things like tempeh or a yeah. tofu that you are uh, rinsing and soaking uh, beans and you can use that as a source of protein. Uh, you can even uh, include some non-gluten-free grains like quinoa to help with that as well. So okay. what we're doing, what we want to do in that case is reduce some of the potentially anti-inflammatory foods like the gluten um, and the added sugars mm -hmm. and go from there. And uh, it's explained very well in our Food Freedom Forever book. Um, it's around page okay. 50 that we talk about the vegan reset. So that gives you more details. Okay, cool. Thank you. 
Sweet. Yeah. Good. I, that, when yeah, when I was reading the legumes route, that was actually a question to me too. Because I'm when yeah. I'm in the in the van, it's a lot easier to eat vegan or vegetarian because we don't have hot water unless I boil it. And I don't feel like sanitizing cutting boards every time I want to eat something. So um, that's mm-hmm. great to know that there is um, options available for folks that are following a vegan uh, dietary lifestyle. So thank you, Carrie. Yeah. Yep. And you know, if there is vegetarians that are out there that want to try it, if you can include eggs or fish and keep everything else the same with the whole 30, that is what we typically recommend. But for vegans, we don't want you to feel like you can't do the program. It's just going to look a little bit different. Perfect. And Laura, question for you. It's not so much a question. Um, I back you guys 100%. I have been doing Whole30, and I happen to have right here proof. Um, (laughs) That's only one of the many books. Um, One thing that I have noticed by trying to follow some of the Whole30, having been somebody that went through a major brain surgery a year ago, I have found how foods came cause brain fog, can cause seizures, Mm -hmm. Um, being a pre-diabetic. I'm very aware of what I'm putting in my body and kind of following the guidelines for the Whole30 to reset how my body feels. Um, So it's, it's a good thing for people. And then there's also, I've got the Fast and Easy Cookbook. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the slow cooker cookbook. So go, Laura, go. I'm on with you. I mean, it's, it just, even if you use some of those recipes, some of the guidelines at different points in your life, it helps you become a better person and listen to your body. I'm so glad it helped you. You're bringing me to tears. I love it. Thank you so much. It really, it really does. And that's part of like what we say it will change your life because food impacts you on so many levels and really what structured elimination and diet protocols stem from is like way back in 1920 when we didn't really have any other answers and we're looking at the ketogenic diet and we find that for, um, those with seizures, a ketogenic diet was really the gold standard of treatment and that helped prevent those seizures. So when people hear the whole 30 and they think, well, it's unnecessarily restrictive, it's like, well, okay, just give it a shot and do the 30 days and reintroduce things as feels good for you. And we have a plan to support you with all that. We have those beautiful recipes to help you with all that and just give it a shot because you never know. And I'm so glad you had those impacts, Laura. It really just makes my heart so happy to hear that. Thank you. Did we have any other fans? Because I saw there was a couple like this makes you uh, I'm reading through some of the comments. So we got uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, it's a complete game changer. Danielle says, Heidi says every day is a win and that builds confidence. Like we've got some serious fans here in the comments. So, um, if anybody else just wants to like love on whole 30, feel free to pop on your camera, let them know. Um, but Stephanie, tell me a little bit about what you guys are working on now. And like, what's, what is in your mind, like, what does the future look like for whole 30? And do you have any cool initiatives coming up that you can talk about and share with us? 
Yeah, so right now we are looking at accessibility and making sure that everybody who wants to do this program is able to do this program. And so initially we were thinking, you know, just give the information for free and everybody will be able to do that. But what we want to do is make sure that people that are in food deserts or people that don't feel like they're represented in Whole30 feel like it's a safe place to be and that we want you as part of our community. And so we're really focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion right now at the Whole30. And and we're also very focused on making sure families feel supported because what happens is that, you know, you'll do the whole 30, maybe you'll do it on your own and your partner won't do it or your kids won't do it, but you really believe in the lifestyle. So trying to figure out how we can support families so that they can make this a part of their family's lifestyle and make it super easy for uh, parents that are very busy and how you can have your teenager do it and how you can help picky eaters start eating healthier. Um, so we have a lot of very cool initiatives right now. We have the January Whole30 that is coming up real soon, which January Whole30s are our biggest time of year. And there is so much support and you can usually find a buddy to do it with you in January. Um, so definitely if you need to, if you're a questioner type on the Gretchen Rubin and you need to do some research right now, uh, consider joining us in January for it. Incredible. Uh, Alexis, you have a question? Hi. Yes. Thank you for your information so far. Um, I'm somebody that has ulcerative colitis and IBS. And so I follow a low FODMAP diet. Um, and I was just wondering if that could blend into Whole30 or if there were options that sort of address that aspect. Yeah, so great question. And we do have a lot of people who will do the Whole30 with FODMAP substitutions. And we have a shopping list that has typical Whole30 compatible foods. And then we actually have uh, red and yellow and green notifications if they're high, moderate, or low FODMAP. So it's completely possible. And we have some really cool resources coming out about the low FODMAP uh, protocol, if you're familiar with it, there's, I mean, when we're looking at pro, you're filling your plate with proteins, proteins are usually safe. Vegetables on half your plate, you got to be a little bit more cautious of. Healthy fats are usually fair game with the exception of nuts. So you're going to be able to have a beautifully balanced plate, even following Whole30 and low FODMAP with those additional restrictions. And if you need help, again, our coaches are fantastic. We have some dietitian coaches as well that can help make sure that you are creating a, a plate that works for you. Uh, but yeah, that's fantastic that you know about it. Not a lot of people know about low FODMAP. And for the people that don't, uh, FODMAPs are a type of, you know, carbohydrate. They're fructose, oligosaccharides, monosaccharides, and disaccharides and polyols. So basically looking at certain carbohydrates causing digestive distress. So that's something that we consider if somebody does a whole 30 and they're still not feeling uh, well digestively, we think, well, maybe there could be some FODMAP sensitivity. And that's something that you'd work with your doctor and a dietitian on, but. Thank you very much. That's great to know. I spent, the, uh, thanks to the pandemic, I spent the first few months learning all about FODMAPs. <laughs> Plenty of time on my hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tricky. And it's, yeah, the recommendations are you know, sometimes conflicting. So good for you. I hope it's helping. Thank you. And I think Danielle has some love to share. She's a Whole30 fan. <laughs> I do. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi. 
Um, Stephanie, thank you so much. And um, Sydney, thanks for getting the Whole30 on tonight. And um, 2015 is when I did my first Whole30. And over the last few years, I've done a few more. But I got to say, like, when I did that first one in 2015, it was a 180 for my health and a game changer with my nutrition. I started reading labels and getting real mm -hmm. food. And um, it got to the point where some of my students on the campus didn't recognize me anymore. I was, I just looked so different and, um, you know, people were complimenting my skin and I had to buy all new clothing, um, you know, <laughs> so it definitely, there were a lot of non-scale victories and um, started running shortly after and it was just an amazing domino effect. And so anyone who's thinking about a whole 30, I would say, you know, give it your 30 days and you'll be amazed with all kinds of great things like your, your sleep quality is better. Um, you just, you get a lot, you know, I, I can't you can't count. I mean, it's infinite numbers of things beyond food or weight. Really awesome stuff. Thanks, Stephanie, for being here. Oh, thank you for sharing your results. Yeah. Congratulations. Those are all huge accomplishments and huge game changers for you. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I actually started an account on Instagram, like many whole 30 years and learned a lot of new recipes and the paleo egg cups are awesome because you make them once and you have them around and you can grab them and um, lots. It's like you just you end up eating more than you think. Like, there's there's mm -hmm. a lot of veggies. You know, it's easier to have a, a bar here or there. But, you know, real food, real whole 30 plates are a lot more work and you feel a lot better from that good fuel. So but yeah. thank you. Thank yeah. you. So Thank you. And yeah, that's the beauty Yay. of the whole 30 is like, we're not saying calorie counting. We're not saying this is how much you have to eat. Mm -hmm. We're not having you weigh and measure or track, or we're mm -hmm. not, we don't want you to step on the scale. So you're really yeah. looking at how food impacts you, not mm -hmm. by what the scale is telling you, but really going inwards and seeing mm -hmm. what's happening with my skin and looking at things mm -hmm. that you may not with other protocols. Right. So I and love I, that. I, yeah. Like intellectually, I think just getting like the healthy fats, like I think you know, really I started having avocados more and I felt like something shifted in my brain. Like I just felt like I could concentrate more and it just, I'm like, okay, like there was, I mean, literally a 180 that I did and um, drinking my coffee black. I've never, I've <laughs> stuck with coffee being black. I've, you know, and it's just like, I think about that alone versus what I used to put in my coffee. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Thank you guys. Good stuff. Yeah. Let's thank you, Danielle. Thinking about it, try it. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So Stephanie, uh, tell me, <clears throat> excuse me, tell me a little bit about if I was coming to you and I was ready to do this, what is like the first recipe you point somebody towards? If they're like, I don't know anything about this at all. Like, do you have a favorite Whole30 recipe that is just like your go-to recommendation for folks? Yeah, I think any frittata is fantastic. And I'll tell you why. Uh, you can literally clean out your refrigerator with what needs to be eaten before the weekend you go grocery shopping or just really make it your own. There's a ton of frittata recipes you can follow, but I usually just mix the eggs, mix whatever is in my refrigerator that needs to be eaten up and, and bake it. And why I love a frittata is that a lot of us are running around in the morning to get things done, whether it's getting ready for work or getting kids set up for their ritual schooling or whatnot. So having something already ready to go in the morning can just keep that morning a little bit more smooth and make sure that you don't reach for something easy instead. And also we 
know that setting yourself up for the day with a really well-balanced meal can help you make better choices throughout the rest of the day. So if you have your frittata with some sliced avocado and some berries, it's going to be really blood sugar friendly meal. And you're going to have that self-efficacy to feel yourself well the rest of the day. Dig it. Um, so tell us where we can find you. If folks want to get in touch, if they have questions, where can they find out more about Whole30? Like run down the list. Where is Stephanie? <laughs> Where's Whole30? And how can we learn more? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram mostly at Steph Garinke. So you can see my last name here. It's hard to spell. Um, so I'm over there. I share tips, behavioral change. I talk to a lot of moms about navigating new life and how to really realistically eat well and take care of yourself. Um, mental health is a huge focus of mine as well. Um, over at Whole30, Whole30.com. That's where you'll find our Whole30 approved partners. So if you're trying to make it as easy as possible on you and not wanting to flip over all the the labels at the grocery store like we have whole 30 proof partners for dressings and um, meal delivery services and uh, nut butters and just a wide variety of stuff so whole30.com will show you that it will tell you exactly the rules everything is free you can buy the books if you want more information but the program is laid out for you for free on whole30.com that's where our coaches are too if you want to use a coach um, and at whole30 is the instagram handle Fantastic. Yay. I saw we just had somebody else join. Cassie, I know you just got done with the Whole30 in September. Um, I sent her some honey because she missed honey in her coffee. So I was like, hey, girl, I got you. I have the best honey on the planet. Um, Cassie, did you want to share some love for Whole30 before I send? Uh, there she is. Yeah. Tell them all about <laughs> <Hi>. it. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. I'm actually just about to get in my car and drive. So I'll probably not have my camera on for long. But um. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. I think everybody should do it at least once. Um, the first couple times I did it, I did it purely for van vanity reasons. And then I kind of modified it with like things like grass-fed butter and this and that. Uh, the last time I did it, I did it for more, for more of a holistic sense and from really learning what does and doesn't work for my body. And then it, I think it was the first time where I took it really seriously and adding stuff back in, I've noticed not only changes within my physical health based on not just what you eat, but the quality of what you eat versus like, if you're going to add dairy back in shredded cheese from, you know, Kroger versus a really high end brand of cheese, even those things are going to make a difference. Um, but what it does to your mental health and how much my anxiety and depression is managed based on the way that I eat. And there really is something to be said about the brain fog and things like that. And, some people think that's a placebo effect, but I really do believe that it all goes into it. And when you're working with managing something like diabetes, where there's so much stress day to day to make sure that you do handle that the right way. And I have, you know, a dad who has it and friends who have it. I think something like that, where just taking things out and then adding them back in to see how it works within your system can help so much, not only physically, but mentally, because once you know what does and doesn't work, you're able to just step back and be like, okay, I've got it. This works for me. This is worth the blood sugar spike. Or for me, this is worth, mm -hmm. you know, the headache the next day and this and that. And then you know what to stay away from where you're like, if pizza, if a slice of pizza is going to give me a headache or a glass of wine is going to give me a headache for me, the pizza is always going to be worth it over the wine. So I just don't really drink that often anymore. Some people it's <laughs> vice versa. Some yeah. people it's dessert, but like you just learn what works for you. And then you can feel good about what you're putting in your body. And honestly, like 
once I got to do the community cares forum and kind of being around the people who get it from the mental health perspective and Melissa and her team who want to change things on all levels and racially and systemically, it helps you to understand that these things are not just for the elite or those who are making Mm -hmm. six figures and can afford it, but there are ways to make this work on like, like a structural level, no matter what your income and stuff is, which I think is really awesome too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the recipes, yeah. How to make your own homemade mayo and dressings and all that. You can buy things that are convenient, but you can also do it with what you have at home um, for, for cheap, for sure. And there's no perfect whole 30. So it doesn't require you to have grass fed products or wild caught or organic. You just do your best with what you got. And yeah, I love what you said about how it helps you be intuitive. Cause I think that's part of sometimes the criticism is it like, Oh, it's a diet mentality, but really what it is, is it's opening you up to be able to make educated decisions based on what you've learned. And so sometimes you need that to be able to intuitively eat. Yeah. And I think the work that you guys are doing, how I've seen, cause I've kind of been on the bandwagon since the start with um, Melissa and kind of even that switch where you still say the things like, this is not hard. You can do this, but acknowledging that for some people, this is one of the hardest things they do. Yeah. And kind of those language changes you have had from like, it's not compliant to it's not complimentary and things like that. Mm-hmm. Where seeing you guys be able to step back as a team and be like, you know what, this we're actually adding to the diet mentality or the restriction mentality and feeding into things and then being able to pivot and be like, this is not working for the greater good of what we want to accomplish and do. And this is where we have to potentially look at like steps we've taken that may have not been in the right direction and what we can do to make that better, I think is something that in general, a lot of brands are not doing on their own unless they've been called out and are afraid they're losing money. And you guys did it because you genuinely want to do good, not because you were looking to like maintain a branding thing or maintain like something that, you know, Oh God, we're going to lose our fan base. It wasn't like that. It was like, actually we can reach more people if we step back and really look at some of the things that we're doing and what we're struggling with. And I think one of the things Melissa speaks a lot about is she spoke that way at the beginning of whole 30, because that's how she was speaking to herself. And I think so many of us who do things like this, we are kind of a lot of those type a a high achiever. And when something like a diet where you can follow it to a T we love that because it's a way to achieve perfectionism. So if you can be hard on yourself, you kind of feed into that. So seeing that step back from yes, do this perfectly to do this intuitively and it'll be easy to do it well has been a game changer. I know for me and a few of my friends who have done it. So I'm super grateful to see that like, as we grow and expand as people, especially with everything going on culturally and racially and politically, you guys as like an entire brand have kind of taken that on in many different ways, which is, I think, helpful just to everybody who's getting involved and who's giving it a try to know that like, you might fail at the first time and the second time and the third time. Mm -hmm. And it is a hard thing to do, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of harder things that like, if you can do this, you can really go out and accomplish so many other things as well. And you'll realize that the hard things aren't that hard. Yeah. You're really paying attention. Oh my goodness. Ah. <laughs> Thanks, um, friend. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, yeah, one thing that Melissa says too, that I really love, it's kind of like, choose your heart. Like it's hard to have mm-hmm. low energy and brain fog and digestive distress and feeling guilt and shame around certain foods. Um, and yeah, it's hard to do the whole 30, but it opens you up to this whole new world and this whole new version of you that you may not have thought was there. And it's a process, you know, it's a process 
process of figuring out what things are worth it for you. So for example, you're looking at the wine or the pizza. It's like, yeah, these things aren't off limits. It's just understanding what's going to happen after you have that and being able to make an informed choice. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Dig it. Oh, thanks, Cass. Love your face. Anytime. Back at you. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Um, and for anybody that's listening, you can find all of her contact information in the show notes. And we are just so grateful for your time and energy. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really loved it. Yay. Cool. Well, up next, um, we have Miss Melissa Urban herself. Before we get started with Melissa, I want to share a couple things. So as you guys know, we are in the middle, almost middle of the Take a Hike Diabetes campaign. So what we're doing with this uh, campaign in 2021, we're going around the country. We're showcasing different urban adventures to make outdoor recreation more accessible to marginalized communities. We're educating about the uh, healing power of nature and how to prevent and manage type 2 diabetes and all diabetes really. And some of the activities that we have coming up next week, well, starting uh, with tomorrow, me and Chris Glue, uh, Chris Maynard, who's the founder of Glucose Revival, will be discussing how we can um, adventure safely with diabetes. And Gabacho will be talking about um, the 10 essentials, leave no trace, and how to find out what land you are recreating on because all of the land that we occupy is stolen. And we'll be talking about the importance of land acknowledgements and leaving places better than you found them. On Saturday, we're hiking for World Diabetes Day, so we encourage everybody to join us for that. And we are really looking forward to seeing how many miles we can track over the weekend for that event. And then next week, we have a bunch of great um, workshops available on Monday, we are sorry, on Tuesday. We have a chat with uh, Mike Joyce. He is a long distance hiker with type one diabetes. On Tuesday, or sorry, on Wednesday, I'm chatting with Kelly Begay. Kelly is an indigenous um, woman. She's a registered dietitian as well. And she is doing work on the forefront of prevalence of diabetes in indigenous communities. So we'll be chatting with Kelly about um, trauma and indigenous relations and how indigenous folks as a racial group have the highest prevalence of diabetes among all humans on this planet. And then next week we're interviewing Zion I for the virtual campfire. And then we are rocking and rolling into the weekend to do some more hikes. But without further ado, Miss Melissa Urban is here. Hi, Melissa. How are you? Hello. I'm really good. How are you? I'm excellent. I'll do a quick intro. So for folks who don't know her yet, Melissa Urban is the co-founder and CEO of the Whole30 program and a six-time New York Times bestselling author. She has been featured by the New York Times, People, The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Dr. Oz, and Good Morning America, and rated number 19 on Greatest Top 100 Most Influential People in Health and Fitness in 2018. Melissa has presented more than 150 keynotes and nutrition seminars worldwide and is a prominent keynote speaker on social media and branding, health trends, and entrepreneurship. She lives in Salt Lake City, Salt, words are hard, Salt Lake City, Utah. So I first became aware of Melissa on the hiking and healing side versus the Whole30 side. Like I knew what Whole30 was. I didn't know who you were. Um, but one of the gals that we were hiking with last year during our Hiking My Feelings tour was like, you know who like really hikes a lot 
is Melissa Urban. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'll check her out. So I'm really excited to have you here on the program. We just had a wonderful chat with Stephanie um, about the health benefits of Whole30 for folks living with diabetes. And I know you post a lot about going to church in nature. So I would love to hear about how you got started in your outdoor adventures. Sure. Thank you for having me. And first, I absolutely loved the discussion with Steph. Every single person who shared their Whole30 testimonial just moved me. And I feel like we need Cassie to do some copywriting for us or something because she was like so spot on. The whole team is in our Slack channel right now. Like Steph's doing awesome. These testimonials are wonderful. So we're all enjoying it. So I began calling hiking and the mountains in particular church many years ago. I think it was, I was living in Salt Lake city. We moved here for the mountains, but I wasn't doing a ton of hiking until my husband and I got divorced when my son was one. And I took to the mountains as sort of one of my only places of sort of solitude in that moment, right? I was trying to single mom. I was trying to run my business. We had all of this enormous outdoor space. And I went for this one hike in particular. I remember the hike. I know the trail very well. I remember the 11,000 foot summit I hit. And there was a moment on the trail where like my brain just stopped the chatter and it was quite far into the hike. But I noticed that in that moment, I was able to be present. I was able to reflect. I felt like I was better able to receive the messages that God and the universe were sending me. And I began calling the mountains, my church. It's where I go to feel grounded. It's where I go to connect. It's where I go to listen. It's where I go to talk and cry and be mad. And I've had major fights with God on the trail and, you know, all of these things um, that it's where I feel like I connect the most. I love that. And it's funny that you mentioned that specific point where you're like your body, like you're in the zone, you're crushing it and your brain's like, oh, it's quiet. And for me, that is that is the moment that hiking my feelings starts. So for me, hiking my feelings started as um, me identifying that I was thanks to my diabetes diagnosis, like I couldn't eat Ben and Jerry's for breakfast anymore. I couldn't drink bottles of wine to myself every night. So diabetes took away my coping mechanisms of eating and drinking my feelings. And it was on the top of a mountain outside of San Diego where I was like, oh my God, I've been hiking my feelings instead of eating and drinking them. So um, let's talk a little bit about the healing you found in nature. First of all, like when you hear hiking my feelings, what do you think of? Like, what does that mean to you? Oh, I think, you know, the concept of sitting in your feelings is really big right now. And I think about that a lot. Like, Melissa, you're going through something like you just have to sit in it or you have to sit with it. And for me, it's just a moving version of that form of acceptance. But, you know, when I'm moving, I feel like I'm able, and I I talk about this a lot in my meditation process. I have to physically move my body through something before I can drop in from an emotional and intellectual and spiritual place. So I can't just, if I'm in the middle of some stress, like, drop into, you know, sitting cross-legged on the floor and like get all in touch with it. I've got to like almost pitch a temper tantrum with my physical body first. So I'll hit the gym, I'll do a yoga class or I'll hike. And there are some days where I'm hiking nice and leisurely and I'm taking lots of photos and stopping. And then there are some days where I'm like hiking with a capital H. I am like moving. I'm not stopping. I'm like, my heart rate's pegged at 155 and I'm not letting up. And those are the moments where like I physically move through stuff. And then when I get that out of my system, much like a toddler throwing a tantrum, I'm like, all right, like, God, all right, fine. Like now let's talk about it. Let's like figure out what I'm doing. I love that. Hiking with a capital H. Um, So for anybody that's on our Zoom, if you have hiked with a capital H, like throw up some hands in the comments because that was just like, uh, yeah, I'm 
stealing it moment for me. Yeah, it's like um, a difference so, between hiking and hiking, hiking. Yeah, like you are <laughs> hiking. <laughs> um, so given that this is a virtual campfire and the structure of this is we're interviewing experts and all that kind of stuff too, but also just bringing stories of hope and healing and inspiration from the outdoors. So if we were gathered around a campfire right now, we just got done with a crazy awesome hike. We're feeling amazing. What would be a story that you would share about one of your adventures that you've had in nature? Oh, okay. I'm going to tell a story that I don't know if I've told in many years, but I was in Norway. I hike a lot by myself and almost exclusively in one year, I went to Norway for two weeks and I did hiking all through Norway, which was one of the most religious and beautiful experiences of my life. Right before I left, I decided to take a later train to do this like one hike that I wasn't able to do earlier because it had been pouring rain and all the locals were like, don't go up there by yourself and don't go up in the rain. It's not like our trails here that are easily marked. You're literally just like looking for little tiny rocks or like a piece of paint on a, on a rock. So I get up to this hike. It's gray. I don't, there's nobody else up there. It's like this 16 mile traverse from one point to the next point, And then you take the funicular down. It's super muddy. It's wet everywhere. I'm like not prepared for this, like complete lack of trail. And I get lost and I'm several miles into it at this point. And I'm like, if I go back, I have to go back through all the mud and muck. And I don't even know if I can find my way back. I haven't seen a single person I don't like, it's going to, I feel like it's going to start to rain. I was getting nervous. And like, if it rains and gets foggy up there, I'm done. I'm lost. I'm up there by myself. I don't know what to do at this point. And then I hear this noise, like a, a bell and I'm like, what the heck is that? So I hike a little farther and I hear another bell and another bell. And I came across a few sheep, a few sheep on the trail with their bells. And I, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Cause I was like, thanks God. Like you're not sending me people. You're not telling me what to do, but like you sent me this sheep. And I kept going on my hike. I ended up, you know, turning it into like four miles longer than it was supposed to be because I got so lost, but I made it and I made it down and I cried. And I was like, I never have to do that one again. But I think very often about those sheep that literally like were the moment of calm and grounding that I knew I was going to be okay. I, I'm kind of going to like blow your mind here. So I also did two weeks of hiking in Norway um, a couple of years ago. It was actually right after I had my big spiritual experience on Catalina Island where hiking my feelings was like, okay, this is your lightning bolt from God, universe, unicorns, whatever you believe in, you have to go run with this. I went to Norway and I turned also turned around and there were like 50 goats. Yeah. <laughs> They're the cutest. Like there was this one, this little black goat. And like, I saw him when we first started hiking and he followed me the whole hike. And then I got separated from the group because now I'm losing it because I've got goats. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to lose a group. I am in Norway. I'm on a cruise ship. Like they're going to leave me behind, like cat catastrophizing everything in my brain. Yeah. And then this goat was like, here, just follow me. And I was like, oh my God. It's yeah. like when you have these spiritual experiences with animals, especially in nature, there's nothing better. Like a hike that's like a safari is by far my favorite hike. Yeah, I agree. I went to the get, so you take, I ended my hike. You end up taking the funicular down. So it's this very populous touristy mountain. Everyone's there sightseeing and I am filthy. I am covered in mud and I'm wet and bedraggled. And I immediately went into the gift shop and I said, do you sell any bells? Like the bells that the sheeps wear. And I bought one and brought it home with me. So I have it in my bedroom and every once in a while I'll ring it and it takes me like right back to that moment. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah. So um, do you have some favorite trails in Utah where you where you like just if you were if I was going to come up there, I was like, Melissa, girl, let's go hike. Like, where would you take me? And I can go like I can go pretty far. So like, let's let's do a big rock and adventure. I have a few. I do have a Salt Lake City hiking guide uh, published that I haven't I haven't really 
reference this year because with COVID, our outdoors are really overpopulated and people are not necessarily taking good care of the trails. So I've been a little, um, not stingy, but I just haven't been super promoting it. But I have a few favorites. So there's one up Big Cottonwood Canyon called Lake Blanche. It's incredibly popular on Saturday morning. If you're not there by like 7 a.m., the trails overrun, but go midweek, really early in the morning. It's absolutely beautiful, but what most most people don't know, they get to the lake and they're like, "Cool, this is a gorgeous. You've got suns, you've got a sundial peak right up there." If you go past the lake, there are two more lakes, and most people don't venture over to that side, but you have to because they are just as beautiful as Lake Blanche, and you can find a lot more solitude. So I love that view. There's another peak that I like to do called Mount Raymond. It's a it's a stunner. Um, it's also very climby. It's probably seven and a half miles. And there's a gnarly scramble at the end. Like you're on this kind of ridge line. Um, that's very steep. And if you're afraid of heights, it's, it can be a little bit scary, but I've done it a number of times and the views from the top are just staggering. And again, it's kind of a, a quieter trail. I just like when I get to the top of a trail, I like exploring. So I don't just get to the lake and take a picture of the lake and leave. I'm up there for an hour or two. I'm wandering around. I'm looking and being like, can I climb up there and get a different view? And so I like to kind of find different aspects of the destination on my hike and, and definitely get some solitude once I get up there. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I know that advocating for the outdoors is something that you do a lot of on Instagram and especially just like making sure that people who haven't ever been hiking before have some kind of idea of like how to get started. So what kind of tips do you have for folks that haven't been, um, but are interested in starting? So I tell people that hiking is just walking and sometimes navigating obstacles. That's it. It is just walking. Do not be intimidated. You know, don't let the idea of like hiking and what a hiker looks like, the kind of talk you out of this whatsoever. Also, anything can be a hike. You can hike around your local park. You can hike around your local nature trail. You can climb to a summit or a lake. You can drive to the lake and hike around the lake. So like, let's not gatekeep what hiking is. You also don't need a bunch of super expensive, fancy equipment to do it. There are a few things that you might want to take into account for your comfort and for your safety. So things like layers or things like wool socks instead of cotton. So you don't get blisters, but like, you know, I wear my normal yoga tights to hike. I wear my normal track sh shorts in the summertime. I wear tank tops or cut off t-shirts. Like you can wear Whatever you happen to have on hand, you can borrow stuff. And then if you choose to, you know, I have a few really nice pieces, but it's because I'm hiking in Norway in the pouring rain and these pieces are like five or six years old. So don't sweat that. And then I like to encourage there. I have a lot of people who say, I want to start hiking alone, but the idea intimidates me. So I have this thing that I call hiking alone together. You go to a trail that you know is very popular. There are going to be other people, but you go by yourself. So you're with other people. If something happens and you get nervous or you don't know where the trail is, you know, you can ask around if you run out of water or if you just feel, you know, at all nervous, there's plenty of people around. Family friendly trails are great for this because it tends to be like parents with their kids or their dogs, but going by yourself gives you this huge sense of accomplish, accomplishment and, and empowerment. So you can go with others, but still do it on your own and have that sort of same sense of like, okay, I did this. I dig that. I, um, one of the things that is really important to us to hiking my feelings is one, making sure that as many people as possible can access the outdoors because I have found like hiking literally saved my life. So I love everything that you're saying about 
just like put on what you got and go for a walk. Like that's how my husband got me into hiking. He was like, hey, said, so hiking's like walking. Like yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, it Sometimes you go uphill and sometimes you go downhill. It's like exercise that doesn't feel like exercise. So for anybody listening, go take a walk and like track your miles on the Kilter app for Take a Hike Diabetes. Thanks. Um, yeah. So does anybody have any questions? Let's pop on some cameras here in the Zoom and let's uh, see if Melissa's got some answers for your questions. One of the things that if you're open to talking about earlier, um, like a couple weeks ago or maybe a week ago, um, you posted about what functional depression looks like and you had this uproaring response. Um, since hiking, my feelings is largely rooted in helping folks navigate trauma in healthy ways and learning how to prevent type 2 diabetes and all that fun stuff. Um, what are some ways that you have found healing as far as hiking goes and does that help you with your mental health as well? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I was functional depression is something that I had never really thought about until my therapist, I had a session with my therapist maybe two months ago and I was like, you know, I'm going to work. I'm crushing it at work. Work is going well. I'm still going to the gym every single morning. I'm still hiking on the weekends. Um, I'm showing up for my kid. I'm like making his Halloween school snacks. Like I'm, you know, I'm doing all of this. And also I don't really want to see anyone and I don't want to go anywhere and I don't want to spend time with anyone and I'm having a hard time showing up on social media and I just want to go to bed and, 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 and she was like, so you're depressed. And I was like, no, of course I'm not depressed. I'm working out. I'm hiking. I'm doing this. And she's like, no, you're just like super functionally depressed. And it really gave me this insight. I understand that depression doesn't look any one way. And also I think I even, I might've even stereotyped myself around, you know, well, you can't be depressed because you're doing all of these things. I know that when I don't really want to hike, i my mental health is not good. There's never a day where I don't want to hike or I don't want to like go to the gym. And if those are things that are coming up more frequently than not, then I know I'm not in a good place, but there have been times where, you know, I just, I say like, go, you know, you're going to enjoy it. Once you get out there, you don't have to go far. If you decide you just want to like go halfway and turn around, you can, if you want this to be the slowest hike of all time, great. If you want to go out and just take pictures, that's awesome. Um, but just like get out, just get out there and move a little bit. And when I do that, of course I feel better. Of course I'm psyched when I get out there, I might come home and sink back into the same, like, I don't want to do anything or talk to anyone, but I got outside that day. And so that moving meditation. And, and I also find that just being outside helps me recharge my capacity, whether it's in my backyard or at a hike or at a local park with my dog, like just being outside and having the wide open spaces and the green and the sunshine, that's super good for my mental health. So even if it's just five minutes, you know, in between Zoom calls, getting out into the backyard, that's been helpful as well. Awesome. Amanda, hi. So Amanda is actually the hiker that I met in Fort Worth, Texas. And she was like, girl, you should follow Melissa. So um, Amanda, thank thanks for joining us. Do you have a question? Hi. No, but I do want to tell you that I kind of credit you and the whole 30 a little bit with untangling this mess of what you're taught as a kid, as a little girl, how you should be and how you should eat and all that kind of stuff. I think I used all of your cookbooks, all of everything. And now I, yeah, I found my own little balance. So thanks. That is and, wonderful oh, to hear. Thank you. And I also called church my backyard ever since I was like eight. Yeah. So. I love that. I love the, re you know, I love the definition of like, you can talk to God anyway, anyhow, anytime, any place you want. I think that's wonderful. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Michelle, do you have a question? 
I don't have a question, but I did have a comment. I do want to say that um, after hearing um, everything you just said right now, I can relate very much to um, making the outdoors my church. Um, right now, um, I'm 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 having a, so much of a spiritual warfare, and I felt like I needed to to push away from the church physically for a little bit, and I'm finding a better connection with God in the outdoors. Yes. And I feel that it's a lot, it, 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 I can't even explain it. It's just, I, I feel a better connection. I understand. I know that it's always better to have um, community and do it with other people, but I felt like this, sometimes you just need that one-on-one -on -one yes. and just doing it outside. It's just, for me, it's a lot better. Yes. And thank you so much for bringing awareness to the functional depression. Cause I did not know, this is the first time I hear of that term. Mm. And I'm going to look into it because I think I may have it or may not, but yeah, I, I had never heard of it. So, yes. yeah, I mean, I think to a degree right now with, you know, however many months of COVID, like we are all experiencing a collective grief and it's very difficult to separate what we are experiencing collectively as a result of the pandemic, social justice uprisings, a very tumultuous election. There's been a lot going on and also you know, some of the things that I've noticed in myself are very uncharacteristic for me. And that's kind of where like the idea of the depression came from, but I have been relatively functional. And I think those two things can coexist. Depression doesn't just mean that you're lying around in bed, you know, unable to get dressed. Like, I, I think it's, I think it's worth exploring for all of us, the destigmatization around depression and, and the recognize the, you know, recognition that it can look any, any and every possible way. So yeah, I'm glad that that helped. I have a podcast episode all about the history of me plus the church. I grew up Catholic and the evolution I've had with my relationship with God and how it led me into the mountains. And it sounds very similar to what you're describing right now. Yeah. Yes. I'm actually leading a small group at my church that um, concentrates on Psalm 23. Uh, which when you were talking about the sheep, I was like, this is what I'm talking about in my oh. class. Yeah. It's about the sheep. So yes, I'll definitely check that out as well. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Thank you, Stephanie, for dropping that podcast episode in the chat too. Thanks. Mary, do you have a question? Hi. Yeah. So I wanted to ask a little bit more. You were talking about solo hiking, which I'm working on. I'm getting really good at those solo hikes with other people. I found my trails that I like that are Full enough where I don't feel like I'm totally alone. Yeah. But um, maybe you could talk about taking that next step, <laughs> maybe more into the wilderness by yourself and what that looked like for you. Yeah. So I take my solo trips very seriously because I, there have been many occasions where I'm 14 miles into the middle of a trail in Colorado and nobody is out there and I have no cell phone service. So I think planning and preparation are obviously the biggest strategies. The more the more planning you do, the more comfortable you'll feel out on the trail. So I use the all trails app. I have an all trails pro account. I'm looking at the trail I want to do. I'm looking at the current reviews. So I know what the current conditions are. Is it snowy? Is it muddy? Do I bring my spikes? Are there portions of the trail that are closed? I'm downloading the trail map so that no matter what, when I lose service, I always have the trail map there and I can always pull my phone up. I've got an extra battery pack on my phone as well. I have a Garmin inReach. So in the case of absolute emergencies, I can send through my satellite um, inReach, I can send a text message to let someone know that I need help or that I'm running late. 
I tell someone where I'm going to go. Here's the trail. Here's the trailhead. I estimate how long I'm going to take. And I know about how fast I hike, but I always add an hour for sightseeing at the top and an hour, just in case I feel like being slower. And I tell the person, this is when I'm coming back. This is when I'll be back in cell phone service. If I haven't texted you by X time, you know, call the hotel where I'm staying or like let local law enforcement know. And I'm very serious about that. Like I make sure to text as soon as I get back. I look at all the local wildlife I might encounter on the trail. So are there bears in the area? Are there moose? Are there deer? Are there rattlesnakes? And if it is, uh, you know, bears, what should I be taking with me? I've watched videos when I've gone to Jackson and Banff around what to do if you see a black bear or a brown bear. So all of this is like upfront front planning that I'm doing before I even get to the trail. And that makes me feel a lot more secure when I'm out there on my own, not to mention. And then of course, like the things I'm packing and making sure I have all my layers and I always have a rain jacket just in case. And I take extra water, but these are all the things that make me feel more secure when I'm hiking out there by myself. Thank you. Yeah. Happy to share. And Alexis, do you have a question as well? I do. Yes. So I am very much enjoying this conversation and I'm feeling very inspired. And I had my first um, 26 mile hike, some of you may know, um, at the end of September through the Blaze Your Own Trail to Self Love program. Nice. Um, and one of the challenges that I encountered was that I, I had the All Trails app and I had, you know, all the things on my phone but I, my phone died and I had my watch and my watch died and yeah, I just wasn't prepared from that standpoint. So do you have any favorite recommendations on chargers? And then, you know, do people, are you using solar chargers or are you just bringing like a regular battery pack? Just any insight on that would be appreciated. Yes. I would be happy to answer. Um, Hang on two seconds. I have a sick dog and he needs to go outside. I will be right back. <laughs> no worries. So Alexis, um, what we use while we're out actually. So I have a big brick that I got on Amazon. That's really Sorry. good. Um, and then we use the goal zero nomad batter, uh, solar battery charger. So you can like clip that on the back of your backpack and then that plugs into this brick. And then I use this brick to charge our camera and our phones and all that stuff. Yeah. Thank okay. you for jumping in there. I have a yeah. charger. So it like basically doubles my battery life. Okay. Um, I try to put my phone on like, do not disturb. And I'm really not using my phone that much. I might be using it to take a couple Instagram pictures, but I bring my GoPro for a lot of photos. And if my battery is getting low, like I just don't pull it out at all. So that's one thing. The other thing that I like to do is not just look at all trails and the map. If I'm going to an unfamiliar area, I'll also Google the trail because very often you'll find people's blogs and they're like a play by play. Like when you get to this part, it looks like you need to go up, but you don't, you need to go right. And you can always jot a few things down like that. There've been a few trails in Colorado where there were water crossings and had I not written down how many what you're going to do 13 water crossings on the trail. And I was like, okay, I'm at 11. I know there's two more and now I'm looking for them. So, you know, while technology is fantastic, don't um, underestimate the power of just like doing a little preview and writing some stuff down just in case. Yeah. That's a great point. Thank you both. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, um, Melissa, I know you have to split at four 30. So we're going to start the group gratitude circle early. Cause I want to hear what you're grateful for. So Say
Thank you for joining us around the virtual campfire. Sometimes we talk about heavy topics, sometimes we tell poop stories, but regardless of what we've discussed, we always like to end the show on a high note. At the end of our live broadcasts, we invite our community to share what they're grateful for in a segment called the Group Gratitude Circle. Every week, I'm thankful for you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy life to connect with us and witness these stories of hope, healing, and inspiration in the outdoors. If you'd like to gather with us around the campfire live each week, join the Hiking My Feelings virtual campfire VIPs. If this were a legit talk show, you'd be sitting in our studio audience. We haven't been picked up by a major network yet, so for now, we gather on Zoom. Here, you can connect with the community before and after the broadcast, hang out for sound check when we have musical guests, participate in the Q&A, join in on the group gratitude circle, and be eligible to receive prizes and gifts from our sponsors, partners, and guests. Learn more and join us at hikingmyfeelings.org campfire. Don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, and anyone else who could use a dose of community and connection. Follow us on Instagram, we're at hikingmyfeelings, and you can tag your journey with hashtag hikingmyfeelings. And if you're picking up what we're putting down and you want to be part of this movement, join the Hiking My Feelings family at family.hikingmyfeelings.org. In case nobody told you lately, you are a brilliant human who is destined to do epic things in this world. Join us next week for more stories of hope, healing, and inspiration in the outdoors. Until then, happy trails!